Well, they say a week in football is a very long time or a very short time, depending on your role as a manager. And that's exactly what we're going to discuss on On The Whistle today. I'm Zane Nabi. I'm your host. Fire up the bry. Let's get the party started. We're going old school today. We've got our man, Francis Nkwain, back in your window, Cameroon. Francis, looking very dapper. My good man, I hope you are well. Great to be with you, doing very well, enjoying the weather, um, and very, very happy to be around the bride. Absolutely, and we've got the best bald man in podcasting history, the over, no longer 35, the over, under 45 star to watch in the coming weeks, the former PSL winner, Courtney Fries. How are you doing, Essex Finest? I'm, I'm miserable, Zane. I'm, <laughs> I'm miserable. Uh, the weather is not improving. Birds are chirping. It's light early in the morning. It's about between 13 and 14 degrees. Nobody wants that. Uh, so I'm not at my best at the moment. Well, they say you need light and shade for your show. And Courtney, you bring the shade. And that's why I love you. Um, we are without our man, Alistair Howarth, who's done an excellent job hosting the pod and organizing it. Ali, um, we know you'll be back with us soon, but in your absence, I hope I can come back into the hot seat and do you justice. Today, we're talking about managers and some of the finest African managers out there and black managers out there, those in jobs and those without jobs. We're also going to go to the mailbag, so stay tuned for that later in the show, and I can tell you what you've been posting on our social media accounts, OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram, also at OTW podcast on Facebook and YouTube. But to start us off, we're going to be talking about the colossal Patrick Vieira. We know he was recently fired at Crystal Palace, the team bringing back Roy Hodgson and securing two wins under him, an incredible win over Leeds at the weekend. But gentlemen, I have to ask the question. They might be Roy Hodgson's wins, but is this not the fine work of Vieira coming to the fore? Zane. I think I think um, the manager himself, you know, Roy Hodgson's a decent man. I I, I when you look at him, you, you, decency looks like it, it it pours from him. I could be wrong, but that's what I see. And I think he even somewhere in the media admitted that you know this is a team he's picked up, well prepared, young, hard runners, uh, a lot of South London influence too in that team. And it was a he's got a good side with him. Uh, I'm surprised by Crystal Palace pulling the trigger on Patrick Vieira. I'm really surprised uh, because look at the games that were coming up. Look at how they dismantled Leeds United. And I'm talking nothing but hard running, forward running, simple play, basic as ever. I'm telling you, people like Edward, who was prolific at Celtic who hardly scored at Palace this season. He, he just looked clinical on Sunday. Um, Hodgson must be the luckiest man in football. I hope he played the lotto this weekend because he couldn't have been any luckier. Nothing that he's done has prepped that team. Nothing. He should be thanking Patrick Vieira, inviting him for Christmas. Even for the coronation, he should be going to Patrick Vieira's house. That's how good he, what a luck he's picked up. To play devil's advocate and try to bring a different perspective to this, do you not think Steve Parrish and the other owners at Palace will feel justified at bringing in an old hand like Hodgson, somebody who knows the club, and somebody who can be a fresh voice 
um, and has an ability to maybe speak to the plays in a way Vieira wasn't able to. I hear the question, Zane. The question's in English. I don't understand the question. Patrick Vieira, all of a sudden now, is someone that cannot communicate, cannot talk to players, cannot bring the best out of players. You must remember, before Wilfred Saar was injured, that guy was flying under Patrick Vieira. Flying! You know, having one of his best seasons, goal-wise, assist-wise, just looking all over dangerous. I'm sorry, I hear your point. Steve Parrish could not... Uh, sell that to me. Is Roy Hodgson a, a pair of safe hands? No, he just lives close to the club. He's not a pair of safe hands. So I I, I don't understand this decision, but they've made it. Um, they've won two games. Well done to Roy Hodgson. It's also worth mentioning, Francis, before bringing you in, the fact that Vieira had a lot of tough games. Newcastle, United, Liverpool, Tottenham. He certainly was playing against the Premier League elite um, whereas you'd have to say Hodgson now has a far easier run into the season end. So it is worth mentioning that. Sorry, Francis. Yeah, that's uh, precisely the point I was going to raise because uh, I want to believe very few would think um, Patrick had done a poor job. But I think most would agree that he'd had a very tough set of fixtures just before he was sacked. Um, and with the injuries to a couple of really key players, but in particular, Zaha, um, when you have a squad like the one he was able to assemble with rather limited means, um, they were punching far above their weight. And the truth is, even at the time of his sacking, if we were to look and ask the question, where exactly do Crystal Palace think they meant to be, which is the question most of these clubs have to ask themselves, beyond that top six, top eight space. The only other thing you're looking at is survival, staying in the league, earning the money that the owners need to come in so they can reinvest to a certain extent in the club and just pretty much keep the wheels turning. That's, I want to believe that's the kind of mission that's given to a coach at Crystal Palace. Now, when you go back and you bring a manager who was doing just that for you before, um, nothing exceptional ha happened under Roy the first time around. And you bring him back and you say, it's because we need a steady pair of hands. And you don't look at this element that you both have mentioned, the fixtures ahead where you want to believe Patrick would be able to continue with what he was doing prior to those fixtures against the Arsenals and the Cities and the Uniteds and the Chelsea that proved tough for a club that, irrespective of who's manager, it should prove tough for them. They could have snuck a couple of draws and maybe a couple of wins from any of those games because for most of those seven games, they were competitive. Uh, you didn't get even the hiding that Newcastle got from them the other day. Crystal Palace didn't suffer any of those types of defeats. Now, off the back of that, our conversation can't now be that um, Patrick Vieira wasn't up to the task. And even Roy Hudson himself has said since he came in that this team is still Patrick's team. And the victories, he gives credit 
to the squad he assembled. And maybe there was a need for a fresh voice, uh, maybe, or a, a wiser head, maybe. But you could have given maybe Roy another role within the club. That's that's my opinion. We could still say, okay, Patrick, sit. Um, maybe just for our last few games, we can get in, we can build a support system for you that maybe could help just to reinvigorate training or I don't know. But I think it's been really harsh the way he was treated. But even harsher, in my opinion, is the way his name has not been mentioned in any of the other clubs that are in worse situations following his sacking. Even to be considered as somebody who we still got a person like Graham Potter is still banded about for every opening seat, no matter where it is. The day after he was sacked with Chelsea, his name was being banded about for Leicester City. Just the fact that it's being banded about, being considered, that's the part that hurts extra. It's the fact that I can't see Patrick or a manager like Patrick maybe getting another opportunity in the very near future without maybe having to rely on some extreme goodwill or some social pressure of some sort. Not just his competence, because his competence speaks to itself. If you're a club that needs to survive, if you're a club that needs to play decent football, that wants to give an opportunity to younger talent, Patrick has proven that he's able to do that. Maybe the next step is how to compete at the very top. But we speak to people like company. The pressures are different, you know, in the championship. It's very hard. He's done a phenomenal job. And I am in no way denigrating what uh, a person like Vincent has been able to do with Burnley. But we're yet to see how he will compete in the Premier League. And I want to believe if he was 12th in the Premier League, he won't be getting the sack no matter how bad a run of results have been. And it's to that that I'd like to speak. Like Patrick, I don't think he's dealt a fair hand and at present is not being given the opportunity to even be in the conversation with teams that are in worse positions than Crystal Palace he left. Sure, and we're all <clears throat> hopeful that Patrick is able to bounce back. I mean, the man, Certainly with fantastic pedigree on the field, a World Cup winner, an invincible, uh, won the European Championship of France, um, and, and, and great coaching experience previously at New York City in the US um, and Nice. Um, but you touched on something there, France, that I'd like to expand upon. We have seen the coaching merry-go-round at Southampton. We've seen it at Leicester. Uh, we've seen it at Chelsea. Um, we, we, we have seen it uh, in, in the Premier League at a number of teams. Um, and you mentioned being surprised that Patrick hasn't been spoken about for some of these roles, be it at Leicester, be it at Southampton. Um, but the other one that I was wondering about is Chris Hutton, who's working with Ghana at the minute, somebody who has got a great track record in the Premier League, uh, particularly with some of the teams that aren't as well resourced and moneyed um, as, as the top teams. Are you surprised that he perhaps hasn't been mentioned or, you know, Colo hasn't been brought back into the fold uh, after his stint at Wigan, perhaps in an assistant uh, capacity somewhere? I think it's, it, it, you, you're speaking to the point I was maybe insinuating earlier. Opportunity coming to our kind and, and, and not as a favor, but based on their track record, based on their competence. Now, in the case of Chris, 
he just recently got the, the gig in Ghana, like as a permanent job. He had a different role with them. He was a technical advisor before. Um, and now they've just handed him over the reins and said, okay, you're in charge of Ghana. And maybe uh, the moment is inappropriate. Um, he's starting up a new adventure in international football. Um, I think he's made up his mind that that's the space. And with Ghana, he'd like to build something exciting and interesting there that hopefully we'll, we'll see in, in, in January and February of next year in Ivory Coast. And after that, again, hopefully we'll see at the next African Cup before we turn up to the United States in 2026 if he's still in the job. But I know he's very committed to building something for Ghana and invigorating a space that otherwise has usually had third, fourth tier managers go into, um, excluding people like Adam Grant and some others who have come into the space before from top tier football. But it's very exciting for the Ghanaians. And I think it maybe even having his name banded about could have had negative effects because you have some people in Ghana who might not have taken too kindly to him even entertaining a conversation, even if it were an interim gig. So I think for somebody like him, no, but it doesn't stop people at least saying we're interested in somebody like him. And it's the absence of these names being banded about. It's the fact that a person like a Colo, for example, could quite possibly, I, I, I hope it's not the case. We fear that a person like him could quite easily fade into the ether. He was a number two or even a number three actually at Leicester, um, chose to step out and take the heat. The heat was particularly gruesome at, at Wigan and the results there don't necessarily bode well for an initial conversation, but his competence, his repertoire as, as a player, having sat next to a very good manager for many years, you'd want to believe it shouldn't be an impediment because the house wasn't set on fire at Derby by Frank. And I'm sorry, I keep coming back to people like Frank, but the opportunities that they get at the very top table. And a Steven Gerrard wasn't, didn't set the house on fire at Aston Villa in any way, shape or form, but his name will still be banded about as consideration for top jobs, like even the Belgian national team, these are not small spaces. And if you look at a club like Chelsea, where a former manager of Nice, uh, a guy who was also boss at Monaco in Claude Makalele, has just disappeared. And it's this that I speak to. It's this that I fear, that once you don't get it right the first time with our brothers, you just get forgotten till somebody else comes along and then the excuses and opportunity was given to them and that's it. But a person like a Neil Warnock can keep coming back and coming back and doing it over and over again without necessarily having the track record of any sort of success. For them, it's okay to just survive, but they'll keep getting gigs. And we want to see that apply to some of our own as well. And it's to that that I'm speaking a little bit. Francis, I'm I'm a man who's got more grey in my beard than you do, and um, uh, and Courtney's so grey he's got no hair left. But um, I think we're all we're all um, 
very wise in our age. And when you talk, it is painful for me. It is a trauma that I'm reliving because we've spoken about these stories for so long. Um, and um, I guess, is there anything that gives us optimism that, that we don't have an unfair bar for an African manager, for a black manager that others don't by virtue of reputation and connection? Um, and I mean, with somebody like Patrick, he's French, right? We know he's won the World Cup with France, but very proud of his Senegalese heritage. At the Your Best of Africa Awards that you organize and take the lead on, um, he received an award, an accolade late last year, spoke very openly about his pride of his Senegalese roots, um, you know, um, like the likes of Yaya Torre have at your events, um, and others, Yves Basuma, um, you know, there's, there's an endless... Uh, uh, you know, um, endless list of names that I can go on about. Chris Hutton, um, Benoit Asso-Wicado, so many guys that come through there and talk about those roots, even though they might be based in Europe or part of the diaspora. But in a very long-winded way, and this is to you and Courtney, what gives us optimism? Is it the likes of Waladreg Raggi at Morocco doing something in an African environment with an African team in an African way? And you know, I have to believe if his name was um, maybe Herve Renard or, <laughs> or, or, or somebody yeah. like that, he would be in consideration for a bigger job. Um, You're um, very right. You're very you know, right. And, right. And I look at, I look at obviously company like you touched on, you know, yes, he's, he's Belgian, but very proud of his Congolese heritage and the fact that his father was an activist and that led to the move to, um, to Belgium, where they, you know, where, 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 where they lived and made their life, and very proud. I mean, are those just two names that give us some pride? Even, you know, we've always got to squeeze a South African if, in if there. Benny McCarthy Courtney, at United, but go on, go, yeah, on, go on. If I may, just before Courtney say something, I, I, I just want to touch on, on, on something because we we have a, a regular guest on our show in Pizzo, for example, and here we're not even talking about the person actually getting the gig. I'm speaking to the fact that they don't even get mentioned or considered. We just now, want them in the conversation. Yes, be in the conversation. Be be considered at the very least. And if at the end of your consideration you say, not for me, oh, good. We look at a club like Celtic, and Celtic can go as far flung as Australia to identify a leadership for their on-field play. I don't see how an ambitious club that just wants to stay in a league, will set exceptional standards for one and average standards for another. And it's to that that I speak. The exceptionality we must bring to the table before we are considered is hard for anybody, let alone a minority group that have other battles that they have to live up to, get past, succeed in before they're even considered. And that bar, I just think, is unfairly high. And it's to that that I, I will keep speaking until we arrive at the day where it's just another option to consider. You know, it's, I have a very good old big brother of mine who used to say, people forget that in the 50s and the 60s, the battle was for civil rights. It wasn't a battle for human rights. It wasn't a battle to see exceptionality. It was just... The, a battle for people to be civil, just to treat the other person like another person. In our game, we're asking for the same. But at the heart of winning this battle, I believe, 
we must also begin to value the things we have, our space. So even the Patricks, in my opinion, need to come into the equation for taking over the teams that maybe either one of you two love back in SA. They need to come into play for that. They need to be in the position where they can consider managing a club in Cameroon, not necessarily the, the national team, but even league football. And that's why I will go back to my love for the idea of the, the, the Super League, because hopefully this is the kind of stuff it will encourage. It will give opportunity for people to gain, to make gainful employment um, and have the exposure that they deserve in a space that questions their humanity less, you know? Zane, Francis, I have no hope. I have no hope. Roy Hodgson has won almost nothing in his career. Nothing as a player, as a manager. Patrick has won almost everything. I have no hope. This, what we are talking about, will continue in 10 years' time, 20 years' time. It'll continue. It will carry on. Big hitters. Patrick Vieira is not a small hitter. Patrick Vieira is the biggest hitter out there. Nobody could have failed as gloriously as Frank Lampard. Nobody. Frank Lampard is the peak of the of the mountain in terms of failure in the two clubs he's been at. What happens? Chelsea get rid of Potter. Potter's not even out the door. He's been mentioned to go to Southampton. He's not even out the door. He's not even packing his clothes. He's not even unpacking his desk. He's on his way to Southampton. The conversation's been had. I have no hope. So we keep on having these discussions. It goes nowhere because nobody listens to it. They'll maybe put it on in their cars on the way home while their wife is phoning him and telling him to pick up bread. But it won't make an impact. It's going to carry on happening. Just wait, Sam Allardyce is coming back too. Before Claude Malekaleli gets a job somewhere else. Before Patrick Vieira gets a job somewhere else. It's not going to happen. Pizzo is never going to coach in Europe. His name's never going to be mentioned. Forget about it, man. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. Let's Forget just move on. I share the anger, I share the feeling, but where I feel maybe a little bit differently, and again, I'm, I think we've had a really good discussion on this, like good thoughts, good emotion, good everything. So it's coming together wonderfully. Is And, and, and Francis, this is where I want to get your perspective, is like we will see change when we can get ownership and representation right. So when we get more sporting directors, more people taking stakes, whether they're minority or majority stakes, buying teams, not necessarily in the Premier League, but coming in um, maybe League Two, maybe League One, maybe the Championship. Then we can maybe get the house right. Um, and then, yes, I, I accept there's a higher bar for a Vincent Company, for a Patrick Vieira, for a Henri, for whoever it might be. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying looking at past experiences, this is the way it's playing out. But that's perhaps where we should be putting our pressure. You know, like three years ago, there was no on the whistle. This discussion doesn't take place, okay? So the fact that we are discussing it, the fact that we are giving it space, the fact that we know people will hear this and respectable outlets, because we know what the pickup we get 
for me, like I always look at it this way. Apartheid did not fall in one year or two years or three years or four years. It was chipping and chipping and suddenly you get a bigger crack and then eventually it all goes very, very quickly. And I think the African Super League coming into effect later this year is going to create a good space about that. I've got some comments, Francis, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that, that we're going to get to when we get the mailbag. But do you not think it's a combination of one, representation and the elite level and two, creating our own competitions that then provides the platform? I agree with you. It's about the ecosystem. Um, you know my thoughts on this from the get-go. We have to be holistic with our approach. And it, sometimes it's, it's easy to take things in silos and look at them and say, this is wrong and this is wrong or this could be better. But we must always remember where we're coming from and to where we are. Now, where we are may be better than where we were, but it can't be our destination. And so to arrive at those places, yes, ownership is fundamental. Our ability also not to only have our football validated by its European connection is another important thing. And that's why things like the Super League, but even before the Super League, our domestic leagues are important. Our ability to reinvest in that space like you rightly said, whether it's minor states, major states, or just a transfer of knowledge and experience. So if we go out and we learn something and we know we could do it better back home, do we take these lessons back into our domestic spaces to elevate the quality of the proposition we have locally? So I still believe that the day will come where our shores will harbor the most exciting football in the global ecosystem. And the eyeballs will turn to our space to enjoy the best game at its best version with the sweetest and most enjoyable presentation. So from the experience on field to how we watch the game, I believe Africa will harbor that one day. And you're right, it might take us 10, 20, 30 years, but that's what gives me hope. That there are enough people beginning to think like that, beginning to want to invest in that space to develop something that we can call our own, not just for us, but for the world. Because the excitement of the Premier League has very little to do with England. It's the English Premier League. And yet no English manager has ever won it. And people forget that. So something can be domiciled somewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean it belongs to that space. And that's why sometimes I think we feel agreed because we have contributed in great ways to the product that is the EPL, that is consumed by the world. And because of that, some people therefore say we should also have the opportunity to lead it on-field and off-field and, and be a part of that entire ecosystem. Also to have pre-season tours come to our shows because there's an appreciation for the value that the supporters who are domiciled on the African continent have in that game and their willingness to also want to see their stars. So the, the growth of a club like Manchester City, for example, like even if it was thinking about Crystal Palace, six years ago, I brought Crystal Palace into Cameroon, came here with Philip Alexander, the, the chief executive officer, and came here with Mark Bright, who heads up the development of the club. And they understood the potential 
for a club like Crystal Palace to connect with our continent in a beautiful way. And even in appointing somebody like, like Patrick and having so many, you could look, Crystal Palace could probably bar goalkeeper doing all black 11, even an all African 11, if, if they wanted to, or that's how many of us are a part of that club. So sometimes when we ask or we request the opportunity over a longer space of time, I peg it to the ambition of the club by saying, if you know you're not competing for European football and you're not in the cups, all you want to do is survive. So I don't think a new charge was given to Roy Hodgson. He wasn't all of a sudden said, come and take care of this club and get us into Europe. It was just make sure we don't get relegated. Nobody can convince me now that Patrick Vieira could not have done that job. And then after that, if you've made a 200, 300 million investment in your club and you're saying now, like Brighton have a different strategy. They attract talent from, from very early on. They bring them in, but they didn't have Europe three years ago as their ambition. They studied their ship, they set up their stores. And then even when they sat, Chris, they were actually saying, okay, we want to play a different type of football because our ambition over the next five years is to push towards a European spot. And now if they're getting there, they're getting there irrespective of manager because the club is ambitious enough to recruit talent from across the globe, names that we don't know or the average Joe Block doesn't know, but these players are able to deliver in the pitch. Graham Potter leaves the club, Deserby comes in and he's even doing better, but he didn't recruit new players. He's working with what was already there because the club has decided that this is where we're trying to get to. With Crystal Palace to be specific and to go back to the Patrick Vieira argument, for me, it's when you shift goalposts or you change them because of the person who's in charge. So yes, the opportunity was given to him, but I don't think it was given in full. And for us to be able to have these full opportunities, we must have ownership. We must understand, you must have the people at the top who are making the decisions, understanding why more time has been given or more resources invested into a particular space. And that's where ownership comes in. And then that ecosystem from your physios to club psychiatrists or psychologists who understands the challenges of the mind um, to the way we report on games. So that's where the media comes in. So undue pressure is placed in certain talents at certain times because of cultural differences. So a person does X. It, it's great to see, to even touch on the issue of, of Islam during Ramadan, for example. It's great to see clubs like Spurs you had um, Ledley King hosting their first ever Ramadan event at White Hart Lane. It's beautiful to see for me because it's saying that the club is understanding that, yes, we may have a Judaic connection, but we also understand that our fan base and some of our talent on field come from different religions. And respecting that, respecting that, that's the only word, respect, is important. So the ability to cater to all of these factors, and that's where the Africa argument comes in. If you're catering to us, don't play lip service. You either give the person time and understand what your remits are and what their remits are and work within those boundaries without setting some exceptional standards for one set of people and a different set of standards for another. You know, Zane, I'll tell you why I have no hope. And I want to carry on from where I was earlier, because I've got no hope. 
because we'll be talking about this in 20 years time here, okay? But hear me out. Um, where is the space? Where is the era where the managers mix together and prominent managers, good managers make themselves available to say, well, you know what? I'm doing really well. You know, look at me as a manager. I'm outstanding. Where all these managers are in the same cocktail, the World Cup, European champions. Now, was there an African manager? Obviously, I know the answer to this question, but I'm putting it out there, that at the World Cup extended himself beyond boundaries with a team nobody fancied and did exceptionally well. Was there a manager out there that did that? Yes, there was. Okay, so that manager's there. Did his name come up when Chelsea were looking for a manager? No. Is his name come up when Southampton's looking for a manager? Nope. Did his name come up when Leicester are looking for a manager? Nope. I've got no hope, Sam. We'll be back here. You'll be mentioning this again. It'll happen again. I've got no hope. And I'm just going to also say this to you. You know at a bingo night, Zane, you, have you, I don't know if you've ever been to a bingo night with the ladies I, with the purple rinsco. At a bingo I, night, there's this little, A long time ago. <laughs> there's this little machine that all the balls are in and you keep turning them and then people pull a ball out. Certain names stay in that machine. I don't know why. They just stay there. You know, you see Graham Potter, he's going to move to another club in the Premier League and he'll get fired and he'll move to another club. But somebody else, you see like Patrick Vieira, Francis touched on this. He may just fall into the ether. I don't think Graham Potter, if they put him in a change room with Patrick Vieira during the playing days, he wouldn't, he'd be at my level, not Patrick's level. He would be at my level. This guy has got the full artillery with him. And I'm talking about Patrick Vieira, but he is more, he is at a closer rate of falling off the cliff than Graham Potter. Graham Potter is not even near the edge, but Patrick Vieira is. Why? Don't tell me about it's the owners. And then, because this has been happening for a long time. So people just need to come out and tell the truth. We don't want him. We want him. We don't think he can think. We think he can think. I, I, because someone just needs to tell the truth here. You know, there's Colo Torre, a distinguished playing career, a distinguished youthful career at one of the best clubs in the world, Asik Mamosa, a junior that came through the French influence in Africa, comes to England, goes and becomes an invincible, goes and does his work at, at Leicester and does a fantastic job under Brendan Rodgers. Who couldn't fail that weekend? Who couldn't fail that weekend? Hey, who I rate myself as a top class manager, I'd fail it. That's a metaphor. But he's going to fall out of the ether and no one's going to remember him. And people will say, oh, this guy, I remember him. Now, let me put out something else out there for you. Now, Francis, everyone's talking about how Burnley have set up everything. They're going to fire Vincent Company. Before March, they're going to fire Vincent Company. I'm telling you now, you'll be going back... No, that's not going to happen. Uh, this, uh, no, they've got a lot. Rabi, they're going to fire him. You know why they're going to fire him? Because they're going to start losing games in a good league, right? They're going to go on 11, 13, 14 game losing, drawing streak, and they're going to say, well, the manager's not doing, doing a good enough job. Or all of a sudden, Vincent Company now is redundant. He doesn't have the ability. This has been happening for years. It's going to happen for years. It's their ball. It's not ours. So, Francis, I agree with you. Let's go to the, the Super League. Let's go play there. Let's go play. 
where we can play with our own ball. Well, well listen, just, for those you know, listening the out just there, reminded me of the kids when we were younger, came with the ball, and when it was time to go home, you didn't well, they take the ball, they go home. The ball, I'm going home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> my mother's calling me. And it's always the useless <laughs> ones. It's ball, always the useless home. ones that own the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go in now. Okay, but we could, we had to play. No, I've got to go. Take your ball then. Well, listen, tell us what you think out there on the Whistle family. You're on the bride too. Do you agree with Courtney that it is not going to change and will be here in two decades? Or are you a little bit more optimistic like myself who believes the spaces are going to be changing? Or are you a realist like Francis? Um, go on, let us know. We'd love to hear all your thoughts. And I know Francis and Courtney, you touched on this earlier, the African Super League. And believe it or not, that has been getting um, some good discussion on a, with, our, with our On The Whistle uh, community. We had uh, Setumo Mako, who uh, was listening to the podcast about pizza waking up the Saudi Arabian sleeping giant in Al-Ahli. Um, I think he said, On The Whistle podcast and, and Africa needs to come up with a Super League by themselves. What is Patrice Motsepe waiting for? Patrice Motsepe being the CAF president. Well, he's not waiting for anything, uh, said Tumo. We will have an African Super League launch in August 2023. So look out for that. Watch the space. We will give you all the latest on that. And we also had Tete Molefe, who had listened to the podcast on the AFCON qualifiers, uh, the Super Eagle selections, and more Moroccan magic. And he said, I've really enjoyed this, Bri. I would like to thank you, to, to like you guys, sorry, to discuss the African Super League. There's been a lot of rumors with the chosen teams and the structure of the tournament, but it's difficult to find something official. Well, Tete, you don't have to worry. We will find that out for you and we will do a special on that. And um, it's a subject that has come up perennially on our podcast. The most recent time we discussed it in any great depth was on um, August the 8th, 2022. So go back in the archives. You can listen to that podcast or you can just Google the African Super League comes alive plus on the whistle and it will take you where you need to go. Um, Francis, Courtney, thank you for your time today. I hope you boys uh, all have a good week. Um, and uh, listen, it's not too long before we catch up and Ali's with us. And of course, Patrick Vieira is in a top job somewhere. Um, I wish you well. Salagashle. 